You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Come again, everybody, to the, the Veterans Administration uh, building here, the Vets, right? We've met here for many years. Uh, we've had this facility for, uh, I think, for something like 20 years. And so it's been two years since we've met here. Uh, how awesome. Wasn't the worship awesome this morning? Just I uh, just want to say thank you to Josh and Carrie and all the, the worship leaders, all of you up here just doing a tremendous job. Uh, it warms our soul and it, it leads us into today's lesson. And we're going to kick off a, a series now throughout uh, November and December. The title of the series is Complete Joy. And of course, Absala talked about joy. And uh, when I think about joy, obviously, we've all gone through some of the most difficult trials of our entire life over the past two years, uh, given the pandemic, and we're still in it. It's very difficult. Things are different. It's challenging. But uh, as Absala shared, there's a tension that we go through. Uh, there's a joy that you can find even in the challenges. And that's what we want to tap into as we study and reflect on this idea of biblical joy. And, of course, the, the you know concept of joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So God's calling us to have joy, to be uh, filled with joy. And so we're going to find a passage we're going to look at in just a moment that talks about how Jesus wants us to have complete joy. But I want to just share, when I was thinking about joy, certainly I'm grateful being Veterans uh, Week, sort of Veterans Day, commemorating those who served. My father served in the military. And, you know, I, I don't believe in, in war in any fashion, but I do believe in serving to create safety and peace. And I'm grateful for that, which we live under. Um, you know, I was really filled with joy last week, the week, you know, just uh, 10 days ago, in seeing two new young single adults baptized into Christ. That was uh, 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 Kara Ash was baptized. Kara's at home. Uh, I know watching a number of us are at home still watching online. And uh, Michael Orgorji was baptized, a young Nigerian brother. Uh, so grateful for him. Uh, so God's working. That was very exciting to see new souls brought to God. Uh, last week, or the week before last, rather, was the, uh, mar- actually it was last week, was the marriage retreat. And uh, that was an awesome time. We uh, learned about awe, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, at the marriage retreat, the thing that brought me joy was friendships. Not only the joy of connecting in my friendship and bonding and being in awe of my wife, but it was so great to be together in this retreat with all the Inland Empire, the West, uh, all the West Side uh, married couples, the uh, South Bay married couples, Turning Point married couples. And we hadn't seen each other in so long. There was just this joy of going, wow, it's great to be together, knowing we're doing something that is very, very important, working on our marriages. And Carrie, I do see the awe of God in you. And that was the lesson I learned. And I was a little teary-eyed sharing this one example during the marriage retreat where you were to express a story that reminded you of how God's presence was seen in your wife. And so during the sharing about it, I I got a little bit teary-eyed because I really did see God working and have felt uh, Him working through her so powerfully. And I shared this story about how when I was on my back, this is, um, gosh, this is over two years ago now, when my back was out, and uh, it was an really the hardest time I've been through in, in decades. And I remember being in the hospital, just desperate, um, in great pain. 
And my wife had needed to take a break because she'd been serving me, you know, day in and day out for the five days that I'd been in the hospital. And she needed a little break. But during the time she was taking a break and had gone home just to, you know, take a shower, clean up, just to get a break herself. You know, I was in great turmoil because no one could meet my needs the way my wife did, even the nurses. And I remember when she walked in, how just a breath of fresh air came over me. And how she, just her words, her confidence, her her persona, her presence, her kindness, and her love brought me healing. And, of course, I got out of that hospital a couple days later through the hand of God, working, yes, through Carrie, but through many other people as well as your prayers. But it reminded me of the awe of God working through my wife. So I love you, baby. Thank you. That was very encouraging. And that brought me joy. A lot of stuff going on in the church. I don't know how you're doing, but there's a lot happening. Yesterday was a full day. I was at a, a, a birthday party for my two-year-old niece. We had a, a, a wedding shower for Elizabeth Chow at our house, which was awesome. A lot of joyful events like that. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to the UCLA game with Nathan again, and that was awesome, and we won. So come on, UCLA. Uh, but there's also a lot of trial and difficulty and hardship that happens in our life. I don't know about you. I don't know how your life is going. My car broke down. I won't get it back for two weeks because of the supply chain problem. So I'm like, oh, boy. So there's always something going on, right? There's always something in the middle of good times. There's challenges. Can you tap into the joy? So we're going to study today. We're going to kick off this concept of joy. And I want to begin by reading in John 15, verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let's reread that last verse, verse 11 again. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow, I started thinking about that. Complete joy. Anybody anybody have complete joy? I was thinking about the fruits of the Spirit and I thought, you know, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's gentleness. There's self-control, but I don't read often about the fruits of the Spirit having this measure of completeness. But Jesus himself says that he wants you to have complete joy. You know, I don't know if any of you have complete self-control. I wish I had that, right? I wish I had complete kindness. I'm striving for complete love, but but isn't it something we think we, we're going to grow in all the days of our life? And yet this text is very interesting, and you find multiple references to the concept of a fullness of joy, of a completion of joy. I suppose it's one of those fruits that you can really tap into a depth of joy. And as we talked about this tension that Uppsala referenced, It's amazing to think that you could even have a complete joy in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of difficulty. And the psalmist in Psalm chapter 16 says something similar, and he gives us the clue as to how this can happen. So we read in Psalm 16, verse 11, he's talking about what real joy comes from. 
And he says, you show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness or completion of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. When I was a young man, I wrote a paper. I share this at times. And the paper was, how do you have joy? How do you have happiness? And for me, I had come upon this in my late teens, this idea that joy and happiness came from accomplishing things that brought you attention and praise from people, right? If people say, you're awesome, I like that. My love language is, you know, words of affirmation. So I thought, "The, the better I do in things, the happier I'll be. But what invariably happened as soon as you accomplish one goal and maybe you got some praise for that goal, you'd be like, oh, I, I, I need to accomplish another goal and I need to accomplish another goal and I need to. And if your whole life is about accomplishing goals, you're going to keep going on a wave of a sense of fulfillment up and down and up and down. And if you don't accomplish your ultimate goals, you might feel very disappointed. So it occurred to me there's got to be a, a better secret to this depth of joy and happiness. And of course... There is. We see in this passage that in your presence, there is fullness of joy, not contingent upon the accomplishment of your goals. You know, I'm an achiever. I'm a, I'm, that's my person, personality. If you take the Enneagram test, a lot of us have taken those tests. I'm, I'm a three on the list, right? Like a lot of Americans. And I think achievement makes you, you know, is, is, I'm wired that way. And yet this text doesn't talk about that. Right? It's about connection to God. Presence of God. And I want to put before all of us that God's presence brings joy. How are you doing at being in the presence of God? When do you guys cry? Any, how, many of, how many of us have cried in the past week? Raise your hand if you've cried. Okay. I cry, yes, when things are sad, but I also cry when things are happy. I cry when I, when I see the presence of God. Like I shared about the story uh, this past weekend when I was with Carrie, sharing about this emotional time where she just inspired me and helped me and strengthened me in a time of great weakness. And I saw the hand of God working, and I, I remember that whole week uh, that I was in the hospital two years ago, I cried often. I was crying. Part of that was drug-induced. Yes, they had me on medications. But <laughs> crying helped. Okay, I, I'm healed of my back pain. I had back pain for 15 years, and I don't have it anymore at all. Yes, that's a miracle. That's the hand of God. But I think a lot of it was because the presence of God in my life allowed me to open up emotionally and, and talking and getting real. And as, I, as you connect with God, as you dig out the stuff that's deep in your heart, it, it's a cathartic experience. And I see these kinds of things often. Um, experiences with God heal you. They can change you. God's presence brings joy. It always has and it will. And I want to ask us today... Are you entering into the presence of God? How often are you doing that? We need the presence of God. 
this past weekend at the lessons about how to have an awesome marriage, David Bruce, the preacher, talked about this idea of being in awe of God. That when you are in awe of God, you begin to see things and experience things in a way you never expected. That if you could only see things from God's perspective, if you could be in awe of God, it changes how you feel about yourself because it reduces your ego. Your ego gets smaller when you see how big God is. When you're in touch with God, it's not just, he talked about, yeah, astronauts, they go up in space and it, it's a life-changing experience to look at the earth and realize how small they are. But you can see God in small experiences when you see the extraordinary in the ordinary. God's presence brings joy. And my hope for each of us is that we would figure out ways to enter into God's presence to get a sense of his awe, to move our mind and move our heart. That's why when I go on prayer walks, I like to go up on the mountain and and, and see the grandeur of God or go out and overlook the ocean. I like to just sit on the beach, right, and see the vastness of the ocean. We have a huge blessing, guys, to be able to sit on the beach and pray pretty much any time you want, right, living as close as we all do. I want to urge you more and more to get into the presence of, of God. If you get into the presence of God, joy will fill your heart. Gratitude will fill your heart. And for this point, I want to make one challenge to all of us from Philippians chapter 4. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 4 says quite simply, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now I have a picture of Carrie and I, and yes, we're having a good time and we're rejoicing. But the scriptures say to rejoice in the Lord. In your relationship with God. Regardless of your job situation, some of us that's challenging. Regardless of your financial situation. Regardless of your relational situation. Even, and I'll say this, it was very hard when I was under severe back pain for years to feel joy. But God says to rejoice in the Lord always. How can we even have joy in the middle of sorrow and pain and discomfort. In some mystical way, we actually can have a deep abiding peace and joy because we know the presence of God is here, right? And we know suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope, right? That's where we get our joy. So I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us, even in the middle of trial and difficulty, to rejoice in the Lord over the holiday time. We know the passage from, you know, the book of Luke where he says, you know, I bring you good news of great joy, right? The birth birth of Jesus is announced. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A Savior has been born, Christ the Lord, right? We live in a generation and a time and an era when we know these truths. For us to be a light to a lost and hurting world, to a dark world, to an evil world, to a sexually corrupt, to a greedy culture, to a culture filled with depression and pain, which is so real for all of us in many ways. We get this passage that says rejoice in the Lord always. Can you today rejoice? I want to call on us over the next six weeks to really focus in on our joy 
And I want to ask you to see, can you get in the presence of God in a special way? Can you enter into the presence of God in a way that brings you joy, even if your life is not working out perfectly? And I want you to begin to notice the little things. Primarily, you're going to see them in the people around you that you love. Let's take note of that and be in the presence of God. Amen. Now, as we go through this series, I want us to also understand another area and where we're going to get joy. And that's my second point and final point for this charge. And today's lesson is more of a charge fitting into the joy. And that is that wisdom leads to joy. Wisdom leads to joy. And so I want to call on us to begin studying the Proverbs. Last year, we studied the Psalms over the holidays. I want to ask us to begin reading the Proverbs because wisdom leads to joy. You can also read the Psalms. There's so much in there about joy. But I want us to educate ourselves a little on this. And so I want to begin in verse or chapter 3, verse 13 of Proverbs and read a few to kick us off. But it says in verse 13 of Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Blessed are those who find wisdom. And I like how it's characterized as a her, right? Wisdom. Some theologians think that's defining the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit. So there are some that believe that. In some sense, wisdom fits into the Spirit of God, right? And it's the Spirit of God that brings us ultimate wisdom, And it says that wisdom is more profitable than anything else and will bring you joy. Nothing that you desire in this world will bring you as much joy as wisdom. So since I, you know, finished the marriage retreat, my other example today is about my wife. I want to share another good example to build her up. She is awesome. But when I think about wisdom and who has wisdom, I think so often about Carrie. And if you know her well, she tells you the truth with great wisdom. Oftentimes we'll do marriage counseling. You know, we, we've been marriage counseling people for uh, 30 years pretty much, or not quite that long. We've been married 28, so 28 years. Uh, and we've gotten better over the years. But let me tell you, in most marriage counseling, I like to sit back and hear what Carrie has to say. And if you've sat with us, you realize she speaks truth that really helps change lives. And I remember her as a 19-year-old young woman, and she giggled quite a lot, like, like a lot of college students like to do. It's fine. Giggling's okay, but not all the time, right? Things are, things are not all funny, right? And I was a little taken aback about how often she giggled with her friends at church. I was a little older, maybe not as good a sense of humor or something. But as we began dating, I noticed one of her favorite books in the Bible to study was the book of Proverbs. And 
I remember, I don't remember, it was after we started dating, maybe six months, I, I remember paging through her Bible that she had, and she had highlighted almost every page of the Proverbs, underlined, highlights. I saw my own name in there a few times. This is like Steve, a few good things she put in there. But I was inspired. I thought, she wants to be a woman of wisdom. Let God's word come out of her in the most difficult and complex situations. And we face complex situations in this world, don't we? We face paradoxes and difficulties and circumstances with family and friends and school and work. It's a complex culture. And we live between the times. What does that mean? We live between the time of the resurrection of Jesus and his return. And he hasn't returned yet. And so we know he's the king of the world. We know he's the Lord. We know he runs everything. And yet we don't see everything in total submission to him. So life brings many paradoxes. Be a person of wisdom. Find wisdom to find joy. Amen. Babe, I love you again. Keep growing in your wisdom. You know, how do we gain this wisdom? A couple of little points here and we'll close out. In verse nine, or chapter, uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10, we see that it says quite simply, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. So that's that awe thing that we were talking about. Right, that awe concept, that, that, that concept that when you see something incredible that just makes you step back and, and almost want to bow down. Like Peter, when he saw the catch of fish, he just bowed down and said to Jesus, away from me, I'm sinful. Or like the astronaut, who after he had seen the earth from, you know, from space, he said, something happens to you out there. You develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation. An intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world and a compulsion to do something about it. And that's Edgar Mitchell from Apollo 14, the astronaut, after he'd seen the earth from space. He was changed the way that we get changed when we see God. You're going to need a fear of God. I don't know what that, maybe that's because you simply won't lie. You won't lie on your taxes. You won't lie to your boss. Because you know God's watching. It's going to help you with your purity. It's going to help you with your finances. It's going to help you with your relationships. If you have a fear of God, you're going to have wisdom. And you know, when those things are going well, you end up having a little more natural, easygoing joy. Now, you can have joy, like I said, when things are bad. But it's nice when you use wisdom and things start working out for you. I remember as a sales guy, I uh, was working for this company and... You had to turn in every day all the sales calls you went on. And if you didn't do many, you know, sales calls that day, you had to tell your boss how many you went on by turning in a, a photocopied list of all the business cards of the, of the offices you went on. A lot of the sales guys, they just wouldn't work very hard that day or they were doing good in sales anyway, so they didn't care. And they would just fake it. They would just turn in these fake business cards and say, hey, I went and saw 20 businesses, which was what you're supposed to do. But I, I was a disciple and I was like, I can't lie. And some days I was tired or didn't feel well or I didn't feel like working that hard. But by about 4 o'clock I realized i got to turn in my sales call sheet. and I can't lie. I'm a Christian. I can't lie. So, man, I would work so hard from like 4 to 6 to get all my work done so I could turn in the sales call sheet. 
I ended up making all my sales. You know, I ended up being salesman of the year that year, doing most of my sales from four to six. Turned out it's when the the business owners tended to be in. I didn't know that. I just got lucky. But I was like, I was like, I can't lie. When you do things because you know God's watching, you're going to see blessings come your way. It's the beginning of wisdom. Amen. He says in chapter 8, I want to read this verse, says, I wisdom live with prudence and I attain knowledge and discretion. Prudence means being careful, right? Being mindful and careful and taking time with decisions. And he goes on and we'll close out here. He says, I was there in verse 27 of chapter 8. I was there talking about wisdom, the personification of wisdom. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. This is what wisdom is saying to all of us today. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Complete joy. You need to enter the presence of God. And you need to seek this wisdom. The Proverbs are going to be a jump start to that. The fear and awe of God are going to open your eyes. And I pray that as a fellowship, we have a complete joy, even if we're going through sorrow, that we can pass on to other lives and other souls in our culture because they need to know the king of the world is Jesus. And he wants us all to have his joy, a joy to completion. Amen. Love you guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.